Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Today I'm gonna sing my peace I give unto you. And this is for the glory and honor of our God. Shall we give her another amen? Amen, and thank you. Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Amen. Brother Matt. Good morning and happy Sabbath. And I'm going to invite Steve on up. This morning our service is going to be a little different than your traditional sermon. And some of you have experienced our uh, presentations in the past, but we're doing a hymn heritage Sabbath. So we're going to highlight six different hymns and some of the unique stories or things uh, associated with those hymns. Before we start, let's go ahead and bow our heads for one more word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of music and the ability to sing praises to you and to share with others. I pray that you would teach us this morning through song and help us again to keep a song in our heart uh, to praise you always and to share with others. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to turn in your hymnal to number 343, our opening hymn. We're going to talk about that just a little bit. That's our first hymn. And before we do get into the story, I want to highlight something that you may not have ever heard of before. In the back of your hymnal, there happens to be an index. Well, the first one, or the very last one, I guess, the first one I look at usually is the alphabetical 
index, but the one right next to it is called the metrical index. How many of you have heard of the metrical index before? All right, nobody. Prepare to be amazed. When you look at 343, in the upper right-hand corner, there are a series of numbers. What do you see there? 8787REF. Well, in that metrical index, there are a bunch of different number combinations in there, and you can match up numbers. They'll group the numbers together. So what that enables us to do is sing these words to a different tune. So today, we are going to sing this same, the words to this song to a different tune. We're going to sing to the tune of, of um, what was it again, Rosie? 524. Which is, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. There it is. All right, so we're going to sing the words, I will sing of my Redeemer, one verse to the tune of, tis so sweet. I will sing of my Redeemer and his love to me on the cruel cross he suffered from the curse to set me sing sing oh sing of my redeemer with his blood he purchased me on the cross he sealed my pardon Paid the debt and made me free. <laughs> All right, there is your uh, music trivia for the night or the day. All right, the song I will sing of my Redeemer was written by Philip Bliss. How many of you have heard the name Philip Bliss before? Yeah, he wrote several different songs, including Dare to be a Daniel, Hold the Fort. I know all those primaries out there know that song. Wonderful Words of Life, and he wrote the music to the well-known It Is Well, among others. Philip Bliss was born in 1838, and he tragically died in 1876. That made him 38 years old at the time of his death. He had a wife and two kids. He was a dedicated Christian man, and here's a cute little story. As he was growing up, his family would have a garden, like many people in the day, and sell the produce at the market. Well, this story is about his first experience with the piano. He was taking his vegetables to market this particular day, and off in the distance he heard this funny sound of music, this melody playing on the air. And so he followed the music all the way to this white picket fence, and he just wanted to get a little closer. So he climbed over. He set his vegetables down. He climbed over the fence and went up all the way into this house. The doors were open. And he stood there, just spellbound, listening to this young lady play the piano. And eventually the song came to an end. And he said to her, Play on, ma'am, play on. 
And startled, because she didn't realize he was there, she turned around and said, Get out of here with those big bare feet. And off he went. But that was his first experience with the piano, and it must have had a profound effect on him because he went on, like I said, to compose many hymns and songs. Um, He was, uh, in his early teens and 20s, he ended up starting to work as a teacher and through that time developed his composing skills and uh, um, talent. He would go on to work with the great uh, Dwight L. Moody and uh, Major D. Whittle as song leaders to their various um, uh, programs that they would put on. And he, they, those campaigns would even go through the Midwest, including right here in Wisconsin. Well, this particular year, uh, he ended up having a very busy campaign and it came to be Christmas time, so he had finished up their last uh, evangelistic series, and he went home, actually over to Pennsylvania, I believe it was, to spend the holidays with his wife and her family. But they got a telegram asking them to come for a year-end service in Chicago uh, to be the song leaders there. And they felt impressed that they needed to go. So he and his wife boarded a train and took off, and they left their kids with the parents. Well, on their way through Pennsylvania, they were, the train was traveling over a bridge, and the bridge collapsed. And many people on the, the train ended up dying. Um, he initially survived, but his wife was stuck, and a fire broke out on the train. And so he went back in to save her, and I believe in the attempt to save her, I think they both had perished. Well, the train, they ended up getting everything back loaded onto a different train and sent everything on to Chicago because there were still people that had survived. And among the uh, remains was his suitcase. And in his suitcase were a lot of documents, including the lyrics of the words to this song. So this was one of the last songs that he had ever written. So I thought that was an interesting little story. At this time, I'll turn it over to Steve, and he'll share about a hymn. morning. Just briefly before we get into our next hymn, I want to give a big thank you to Isabella for that song. That was beautiful. And in a world where there are problems everywhere, where there is stress and there is war everywhere, what a gift from God that we can each have his love and his peace in our hearts. The next hymn we're going to look at is one that I think pretty much everybody here is familiar with. It's one that's called He Lives on page 251 in your hymnal. I'm going to start out by reading a text, Matthew 28, 6. It says, He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Why should I worship a dead Jew? This challenging question was posed by a sincere young Jewish student who had been attending evangelistic meetings conducted by the author and composer of our hymn 
that we're looking at today. His name was Alfred H. Ackley. In his book, 40 Gospel Hymn Stories, George W. Sandville records Mr. Ackley's answer to this searching question, which ultimately prompted the writing of this popular gospel hymn, He Lives. Why should I worship a dead Jew? And his answer was, he lives. I tell you, he is not dead, but he lives here and now. Jesus Christ is more alive today than ever before, and I can prove it by my experience as well as the testimony of countless thousands of other people. Mr. Ackley's forthright emphatic answer, together with his subsequent triumphant effort to win the man for Christ, flowered forth into a song and crystallized into a convincing sermon called, He Lives. In his rereading of the resurrections in the various gospels, the words, He is risen, struck him with a new meaning. From the thrill within his own soul came the convincing song, He Lives. The scriptural evidence in his own heart and the testimony of history matched uh, the glorious experience of innumerable cloud of witnesses that says he lives. So he sat down at the piano and voiced that conclusion in a song. He says, the thought of his everlasting presence brought music promptly and easily to my mind. The hymn first appeared in Triumphant Service Songs, a hymnal published by Rodenhaver Company in 1933. And it has been a favorite with congregations ever since that time. And I invite you to, if you haven't already, turn to page 251 and let's sing, He Lives. I serve the risen Savior, he's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever man may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know. Come at last. 
He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives, He lives within my heart. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian, without your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. Man, the choir sounds good this morning. I like the last line of that. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. Praise the Lord. The next hymn we're going to look at is 528, A Shelter in the Time of Storm, number 528. This particular hymn, the words were penned by Vernon Charlesworth in 1880. Vernon Charlesworth, excuse me, was a British pastor who worked at London's famous Surrey Chapel. This particular song was written during a period, a particularly challenging period and sorrowful time in his life, a struggle. He wrote these words after hearing a a message that his friend had given that evening at uh, Evening Chapel. And in that message, uh, he had highlighted Psalm 32.7, and I'm going to read that for you. It helps if I have my Bible handy. Psalm 32, verse 7 says, You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. So yes, he had penned those words during a period of sorrow and struggle. How many of you find comfort in music sometimes? There's sometimes that nobody can say anything or do anything, but music can. And I praise God that he has given us the gift of music. 
The song was originally put to uh, music by Ira Sankey, but the melody you have in front of you in the hymnal was written by one F.E. Belden. And I don't know if that name is familiar to anyone. He happened to be uh, one of our uh, early Adventist publishers. He worked, he lived, he was born in Battle Creek, Michigan, and he was actually the nephew of Ellen White. Many who knew him called him the sweet singer of Israel. God had given him this amazing ability to compose hymns almost spontaneously. So what he would do is he would listen to the sermon that the pastor would give, and he would compose the hymn, or a hymn, as the sermon was being preached. Okay, And then at the end of the sermon, he would sing it for the congregation, he and his wife, and then they would actually give the manuscript to the pastor as a souvenir. What a talent. He began composing as a teenager. He served as an editor in our, uh, to our early hymnals, and you'll see, if you go back and look at some of those, you'll see his name come up quite frequently in a lot of the music. Um, unfortunately, as with dealing with humans, conflict arose with, uh, within, between him and the church, actually the Review and Herald, uh, as a result of some copyright, not copyrights, but the, um, the rights to some of the works he had given. He wanted the, all the proceeds to go toward the church, not the Review and Herald. And the Review and Herald had apparently at one time been getting the money for that. Well, there was a lawsuit, and eventually the funds were directed back to the conference for that. But that was one black mark um, that would eventually drive a wedge between him and the church. And uh, I'm going to read uh, a little bit here from uh, one website. Although it was reported that Belden was uh, greedy for money, in reality he was upset that the copyright for hymns and tunes had been reassigned to the Review and Herald in violation of an 1885 agreement that all profit from its sales would go to support the church's mission work, not the publishing house. In December of 1905, uh, the Review and Herald agreed to transfer ownership of hymns and tunes back to the conference. Which uh, bringing an apparent resolution. Um, there were some other conflicts that he ended up being partaken in. Um, ended up, he was actually disfellowshipped from the church because of some grievances there, which is unfortunate. He was alienated from uh, Ellen White, his aunt. But towards the end of his life, he did end up having a renewed spiritual life and I believe uh, ended up on good terms with the church. Um, God did use him through all this strife and turmoil to write over or contribute over 20 songs to the 1941 edition of our hymnal. And our current hymnal contains 12 complete hymns of his and four that he composed the music to, additional to them. Let's go ahead and sing 528, A Shelter in the Time of Storm. shelter in the time of storm. No fear 
shelter in the time of storm. No fears alarm, no foes affright, a shelter in the time of storm. Mighty rock in a weary land, cooling shade on the burning sand, faithful shelter in the time of storm. That's the verse 4. Oh, rock divine, no refuge dear, a shelter in the time of storm. Be thou our helper ever near, a shelter in the time of storm. Mighty rock in a next hymn we're going to look at this morning, unlike the other five that we're doing, is one that most of you probably are not familiar with. It's called Still, Still with Thee. You may not be familiar with the hymn, but you almost certainly are familiar with the author of the hymn, Harriet B. Stowe, or Harriet Beecher Stowe. Psalms 5.3 says, Morning by morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. Morning by morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. And Psalms 139.17 and 18 says, How precious you are, your thoughts, O Lord. When I awake, I am still with thee. This was the phrase that inspired Harriet Beecher Stowe as she meditated one morning on this text. In the midst of a busy and productive life, as a writer, an avid crusader against the worldwide slavery, and a mother of six, it was Harriet Stowe's practice to rise at 4.30 in the morning, every morning, to see the coming of the dawn, to hear the singing of the birds, to enjoy the overshadowing presence of her God. As a devoted mother and wife of a seminary professor, Harriet still found time to write numerous hymns, write a volume of religious verse and approximately 40 books dealing with various social problems of her time. And of course, she is best known for her novel, Uncle Tom's Cabin which had a strong influence against slavery just before the Civil War. Later in life, she looked back over many of the difficulties she had experienced in her busy years of raising a family while engaging in many pursuits. And Harriet wrote, I thank God that there is one thing running through all of them from the time I was 13 years old, the age of her conversion. And that is the intense, unwavering sense of Christ's educating, guiding presence and care in my life. 
It is commonly agreed by hymnists that for the sheer poetic beauty, there are few hymn texts that excel these lines. Uh, the hymn has four stanzas. For the sake of time, I'm only going to read the words to three of them, but listen closely to these words. Still, still with thee, when purple morning breaketh, when the bird waketh and the shadows flee, fairer than the morning, lovelier than daylight, dawns the sweet consciousness, I am with thee. Alone with thee among the mystic shadows, the solemn hush of nature's newly born, alone with thee in breathless adoration in the calm dew, in the freshness of the morn. So shall it be at that last and bright morning when the soul waketh and life's shadows flee. Oh, in that hour, fairer than the daylight dawning, shall rise the glorious thought I am still with thee. Since it's a hymn that many of you know, and is also that the, the tune written in the hymnal is different than the one I am familiar with, we're going to play a CD this morning that some of our older members may be familiar with this. It was an old King's Herald song from 40 years ago or so. Still, still with thee. Still, still with thee when purple morning breaketh, when the bird waketh and the shadows sleep, fairer than morning, lovelier than. the sweet consciousness I am with thee alone with thee amid the mystic shadows the solemn heart of nature newly born, alone with thee in breathless adoration, in the calm at last in that bright morning when the soul waketh and life shadows flee oh in that hour fairer than day 
shall rise the glorious thought I am with thee. The next hymn we're going to highlight is number 428. Sweet by and by, 428. I didn't have a whole lot about the song itself, more so about the author, which I found rather interesting. The author is Sanford Wilford Bennett, S.W. Bennett. And the music was by J.P. Webster. Bennett was born in 1867 in Eden, New York. He was one of 11 children. And in 1842, his family moved to Illinois. His father was prominent in the community, a farmer by trade. He had served as an ambassador, a town trustee, a school board director, and justice of the peace. Pretty busy guy. Young Bennett entered the academy at age 16, and he started teaching by 18. He studied at the University of Michigan before moving to Elkhorn, Wisconsin. While in Elkhorn, he got out of teaching, he was working as the assistant editor of the Elkhorn Independent, which, interestingly enough, is still in publication today. I believe it is their local newspaper. I don't think it's called the Alcorn Independent anymore, but the uh, business is still there and operating. He lived during the Civil War, and he actually enlisted as a volunteer in the Wisconsin 40th Volunteers, and he served as a second lieutenant until the end of the war. Uh, end of the war. After the war, he would go on to become a pharmacist and study at Rush University in Chicago to become a medical doctor, where he ended up practicing. Um, while in Elkhorn, he worked with Webster, and they wrote many, many hymns together. Um, this particular song, Sweet By and By, was written in 1868 or 1867, according to our hymnal. And it appears in over 600 different hymnals worldwide. Uh, he and his wife ended up raising three children, and he passed away in 1898 in Richmond, Illinois. But I found that rather interesting. Some Wisconsin history right here in our hymnal. Let's sing 428, Sweet By and By. There's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith we can see it afar For the Father waits over the way To prepare us a dwelling place there In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet shall sing on that beautiful shore the melody 
fear, it shall sorrow no more. Not a sign or a blessing of rest in the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore to our bountiful Father above. We will offer a tribute of praise for the glorious gift of His love and the blessings that hallow our days in the sweet Last hymn we're going to look at today is Lead On, O King Eternal, page 619. This will also serve as our closing song when we sing it in a couple minutes here. 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only me, but also to all of those who have longed for his appearing. One of the thrilling experiences in life to which a loved one or a friend walk across the stage in a cap and a gown, you know what that is, a graduation, right? To receive their long-awaited diploma. This next hymn that we're going to talk about now or sing in a minute here was written for just such an event. It was written by Ernest W. Shirtleft. He was about to graduate from Andover Seminary in 1887. His classmates at the seminary, recognizing the poetic ability of their colleague, shortly before graduation, one day approached Shirtleft with this request. Ernest, why don't you write our class poem? After all, you have already published two volumes of poetry. What's the use of having a distinguished author in our class if he cannot rise to the occasion and do the class the honor of writing a good poem for them at their graduation? Well, Ernest thought about it for a moment, and he says, okay, I'll do it, but let's make it a hymn that we can all sing instead. We've been spending days of preparation here at seminary. Now the days of March has come, and we must go out to follow the leadership of the King of Kings to conquer the world under his banner. Although the metaphors and expressions in this hymn were intended to challenge the graduating class of 1887 at Andover Seminary, the truths of this text can be applied to our lives today. This is not the time for any of us to slacken in our effort in the service of our Lord 
The crown awaits the conquest. Lead on, O King of Might. I invite you to stand as we sing our closing hymn, number 619. Lead on, O King Eternal, the day of March has come. Henceforth in fields of conquest, thy tongue shall be our home. Through days of preparation, thy grace has made us strong. And now, O King Eternal, we lift our battle song. Lead on, O King Eternal, till sin's fierce war shall cease, and holiness shall whisper, bless me, amen, not with swords of clash, nor roll of story drums, with deeds of love and mercy, the heavenly kingdom comes. Lead on, O King Eternal, we follow not with Gladness breaks the morning where thy face appears, thy cross is lifted o'er us. We journey in the light, the crown awaits a kind quest lead on. Heavenly Father in heaven, we praise you this day for who you are, but we praise you in a special way today for the gift of music, for the gift of the hymns that you've given these hundreds and thousands of authors that have written the many hymnals that we have with us today. And we ask in a special way, Lord, that you would lead on, O God of might. May your might fill our souls with your character, with your love. May we continue the process of being transformed into your likeness until the day of your coming. We ask in Jesus' name.